What I love about Kyle. He makes people feel comfortable about embarrassing things. He never finishes all of the meat on his chicken wings. He's seen The Irishman way too many fucking times, and no one wants to keep watching The Irishman, but he always wants to watch The Irishman. He loves reprise songs and when the villain fucks the fish, but he knows he knows it's okay for let me have some list songs here and there. <laughs> That's all I've got. That's all I love about you. Okay. Anyway, welcome back to Insert Movie Here, the musical. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for listening again. You survived Space Jam and Fight Club and No Country, and now you're here once more to listen to us turn a movie that should not be a musical into a musical comedy. Mm-hmm. We figure out sort of structural changes to the plot. We talk about where the songs would be, what the songs would be, and then what happens at the end, Sam? At the end, we take an idea we came up with for a song, you turn it into an actual song, and we have someone very, very talented perform it for you. That's right. What I love about the theme song is that it <laughs> Here's it what I love about plays. the theme song, is that we Here's play what I love it. about the theme song. <laughs> Wait, and now, instead of the theme song, we're going to inexplicably play Being Alive. They did it with hairspray, they did it with Xanadu, why not Inception, or maybe The Godfather 2? They did it with Spamalot and Little Shop and Groundhog Day, so why not try with Paranormal Activity? Just take any movie, and add in like 10 or 12 songs, so what if Schindler's singing feels oh so wrong? So what if the flick we pick's a fit a bit unsuitable? We'll make it a Broadway hit, both baffling and beautiful. Just give us an hour, even Deer Hunter is doable. It's Insert Movie here, the musical. Pick any movie and insert it right here. So for today's movie, the movie we're going to turn into a musical... Um, <laughs> where to begin with this movie? Well, last night, uh, we watched a movie that, uh, Sam had never seen before. Uh, we chose this movie, God knows why, but we did. And, um... We wanted to do a sad movie. We wanted to see if we could make a sad movie funny. Right. Before we reveal what movie we're adapting, um, should we give the people clues? Should we give them clues to what it is so they have 30 seconds to guess what it is before we reveal it? Well, I have a feeling that if they've looked at the title of the oh. of the thing, they're going to know what <laughs> it is. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, maybe they didn't look at the title. They're flying blind. It's a um, story. It's a story about uh, one of our great institutions in, in, in the world. Uh, it's a story about marriage. marriage. It's a story about marriage um no we're doing marriage story marriage story is the movie we're doing yeah uh tell tell people about marriage story sam what happens so nicole played by scarlett johansson and charlie played by adam driver are married and they're getting a divorce and they work uh in this like new york theater troupe together where she's an actress and he's the sort of director um and he's taking their play to broadway but she's moving to la to work on a pilot or a movie or something um, and they're trying to keep things sort of civil and neat as possible for the sake of their son, but things get really, really messy because they both want custody of their son in their respective cities, and Scarlett Johansson hires Laura Dern to be her lawyer, and she's, like, very cutthroat, and it gets really, really messy, and, like, really hurtful things are said, and there's crazy fight scenes, and basically it's this big, long movie about which sucks more, New York or L.A., and why would you <laughs> want to live in either of these places, and at the end, they get divorced. Yeah, it's, it's, it, that's what happens, I guess. Can you believe you just spent that period of your life doing a synopsis of marriage story? Like, yes, I guess that's what happens in the movie. But for some reason, it's just Honestly, like, I think marriage story is a really compelling sort of psychological examination of Scarlett Johansson trying to escape her psychopath serial killer <laughs> husband. <laughs> <laughs> played with a disturbing gentleness by Adam Driver, <laughs> instantly vaulting him into the pantheon of great serial killer performances with Anthony Hopkins. This is an honest question. Is, is Adam Driver more threatening as Kylo Ren or as Charlie in Marriage Story? 
It's like, I, I really don't want to be biased. I think Adam Driver is a great actor, but there's something tell? about him in this movie that so unsettled me. <laughs> yeah, he, it is a sort of deeply unsettling performance. Now, okay, it's a Noah Baumbach film that came out last year, 2019. We both like Noah Baumbach, too. We both like Noah Baumbach. Yes, 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 yes. We are both Noah Baum, Baumbach stands for sure. Noah Baumbachians. We're the, we're the bomb backpack. We love some Franny Ha. Um, but actually, Mayor's Story was a movie that confused me in many ways. I, I did not see it during awards season. I just watched Marriage Story for the first time last night. Yeah. Um, and it was perplexing to me. There was a lot of things that really confused me. Um, um, there's that scene where the child protective services or the, the, the uh, advocate for the child comes to yes. watch Adam Driver. You're talking about the best scene in the movie. The best scene in the movie, but it's presented as if the child service worker is like a Victorian ghost. Yeah, or like literally a robot. <laughs> like her, her acting choice was definitely, I don't understand human interaction. I am perhaps not a human myself. Okay, so I, so I saw this movie at... Uh, humble brag at the New York Film Festival and this movie started and in the first 10 minutes I was like I am going to love this movie so much the beginning of it I was like we got some Randy Newman music playing and these people are talking about how much they love each other I'm in I'm all in you're 100%. talking about like the se- the, the sequence where we hear like Scarlett Johansson just saying Adam Driver's messy, but in a cute way. And then just, like, certain jarring elements of the movie start sticking out. Like, like Laura Dern, like, playing a drag queen version of her Big Little Lies character. Like, which is already, in and of itself, a drag queen. We can talk about the amazing, hilarious, excellent moments of this movie, such as when Adam Driver inexplicably gets up and sings an entire Sondheim number. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but before we get to that, I do just want to say, like, Actually, seriously, I think the biggest problem with this movie is that it does feel to me like two different movies. There is one movie that is, I think, the first and third act, which is sort of like this movie is about the inevitable messiness of separating two lives that were so deeply intertwined. There is something fundamentally messy and painful, and it will never be less so when you take something that was so closely melded and separate it. Right. But then the middle third is all about how one choice someone made escalates it into this, like, all-out warfare of a thing. See, I I disagree that only the second middle act is about that. No, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Marriage Story presents itself in a lot of ways as this, like, very thoughtful meditation on, like, all these things. And I just don't think it actually achieves that for the most part. I think it's, no. I don't know. But I think for better or worse, it is a movie about that choice. I mean, listen, here's the deal. And I say this as a COD. I say this as a child of divorce. If you yeah. want to watch a heartbreaking, somewhat mundane meditation on divorce, girl, turn on Boyhood. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Something that is interesting, Sam, and, and, and sort of, I guess, my take about it, which is that uh, something that really jars with me in this movie is this, like, there's this disconnect between, it is it is this a picture of reality or is this some sort of, like, Bombackian sort of strange filter on things like the like the uh evaluator scene or like is Noah Baumbach making fun of New York theater or are we supposed to think he's like actually really like a great theater maker because like you know what I mean like what is the style of this movie yeah I mean because it does feel like at times it's trying to break form and I, I love a movie that breaks form as much as any guy yes um he does that very well in other movies. Yeah, but the moment, for instance, where Adam Driver literally gets up in a piano bar and just sings an entire Sondheim song. It's very weird. It's very it's weird. It's very crazy to me, and I'm trying to think of another uh, another instance in filmmaking where the filmmaker gets to maybe the like top three emotional moments of the movie and literally just passes the baton to someone else's work. <laughs> Yeah, but in a way that it doesn't even necessarily relate to anything that's going on with the character. It's just like, this is a really pretty song. That's what I'm saying. He's just like, yeah. I don't really know how to make Adam Driver not seem like a serial killer anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to have him sing time. I would argue that his performance of being alive has shades of serial killer. Um, okay. Speaking of musical theater queens, 
Let's fucking go. Let's do it. Let's turn Marriage Story into a musical. Um, a funny musical. A musical that makes us laugh and applaud and text our grandmother saying, you must come to New York and see the show with me, Grandma. Oh, this is going to be a big hit with the grandmas. They're going to love it. I think this is a movie-to-musical adaptation that begs for some form of concept. And I have a lot of ideas, some of them crazier than others. Yeah, I had two concepty ideas, but I, I don't necessarily want to go with either of them. I just had them. <laughs> So why don't we take turns? You go first. What's your first concept idea? Well, my first one is actually, I think, kind of, if you were to actually adapt Marriage Story into a musical, I think this would actually be probably a pretty cool way of doing it. So the movie opens with this, what I, they both have their turn to sort of speak on what they love about the other person. What I love about Charlie and what I love about Nicole, I believe Scarjo's name's name is. Um, It's not Nicole. There's no way it's Nicole. I think it's Nicole. I think it's Nicole. It's Nicole. Oh, wow. Sam, you have such face blindness for, like, (laughs) women's names in movies. No, it's just when Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver are in a movie, they're Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. And that's the sacrifice you make when you're Kylo Ren and the Black Widow. So, so, uh, ScarJo sings, uh, ScarJo says what I love about Adam Driver, and Adam Driver says what I love about ScarJo. And I thought, hmm, wouldn't it be interesting, because I do feel like something the movie's sort of trying to do is to sort of give uh, a a balanced and fair Fox News-style um, uh, <laughs> split um, depiction of this divorce, both from his angle and from her angle, and to not sort of take sides or anything. And what if the first act began with, let's say, ScarJo. ScarJo saying what I love about Adam Driver, and then the whole first act becomes ScarJo's side of things. And then we come back from intermission and we get Adam Driver's side of things. Got it. And it's the same story twice, but told yeah, through yeah, the eyes yeah. of a different character. It sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work we're not going to do. So cross it off. Uh, what's, what's, your, what's your first idea? <laughs> okay, this one's, this one's crazy. Like, it won't be done. It won't be done for ours and it wouldn't be done in real life. <laughs> but maybe you'll like it. So obviously I, I love kids. And I, I agree with you that the, at, the, at the best this movie is sort of about the kid's role in their lives and how he is sort of this common thread. Um, and so I was, my first thought was like, how can the kid be a narrator or how can the kid be sort of like the active participant, which is great. But then I imagine there's all these little scenes of him playing with action figures, right? Oh my God. <laughs> what if we had a giant, a giant kid puppet, like the giant into the woods. So like the kid is himself like, we just see his head and his hands and they're like massive puppet things like 30 feet in the air <laughs> and he is recreating his parents' divorce with his action figures and the action <laughs> figures are played by humans. So we get all of Marriage Story like <laughs> very similar to the real Marriage Story but it's with like Batman and a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle with a giant <laughs> kid puppet above them. <laughs> That's like a little, I, I don't hate the like the kid being puppeteering the shit but like them being Batman and the Ninja Turtle just seems fucking crazy. <laughs> the Ninja Turtle would turn on Batman and go, "I wish you were dead." Like hit by a car. I can't or believe they- I have to know you forever. It would be great, but also kind of fucking crazy. I don't think you're really picturing how creepy I'd want the kid puppet to look. <laughs> I'm picturing it. I'm picturing it. <laughs> My other idea, you're gonna, you're gonna like. You're going to shoot me, shoot a blow dart at me, but it's just basically that Randy Newman is the narrator <laughs> sitting at a piano singing, let me tell you a story, a marriage story. <laughs> so would every song be, like, would it be like Moving Out where Randy Newman is just like on stage of a piano singing the plot of marriage stories of people dancing around? <laughs> Um, I guess I think of him more as this sort of, like, um, master of ceremonies who knows how the story's gonna go, and he sort of moralizes it. Why they sign law return? I can't do a good Randy yeah. Newman. Law <laughs> return, law return. She's got pantsuits in yeah. Los Angeles. It's fun, but I don't know that it helps us. Okay, so maybe we do no concept. What if, what if the little boy is Randy Newman. (laughs) (laughs) My parents always fighting in Los Angeles County. Wanna go to New York? Wait, 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 wait. Sam, 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 Sam. Amazing idea. Amazing idea. 
Um, okay. Randy Newman is the narrator of the musical. He plays the piano. He's like, I'm going to tell you a story. And then at the end of the movie, he goes, and that little boy, that little boy was me. <laughs> so Marriage Story ends up being a Joker-style origin story about Randy Newman. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Okay, let's do it. Let's why not? <laughs> yeah. Let's just fucking I, do it. Marriage story is going to be the story of marriage story, but we're going to bookend it with the idea that that boy grows up to be Randy Newman who is now telling a story about his family. So now my question becomes what is act 1? What is act 2? Where's intermission? And then we can really plunge yes, in yes, on yes, the yes, I agree. on the Randy Newman origin story. Well, okay. I didn't have a super amazing uh, idea, but I I do feel like the story of Act One here is ScarJo deciding, making the decision based on recounting all of the agony that she feels Adam Driver has put her through to get the lawyer. Yeah, I mean, that's not too different than sort of what I was thinking. My kind of quick way of putting it is I think Act One is the story of two people who desperately want to make this as amicable and peaceful as possible. And it ends with them either together or one of them individually realizing that is not a realistic goal. And this sort of scorched earth version of their divorce is inevitable. That's act one. And act two is sort of then the battle for it that brings them at the end to the place that they never wanted to be, but then they heal at the end. You know what I mean? Beautiful. Does that then mean that the big centerpiece scene, the the fight that was memed to death uh, in the fall, does that is that the end of the first act? Even though it's not where it is in the movie, you know what I mean? Like, is no, that the thing I don't that think triggers so. them? I, th- I think I think Act One needs to be. This is painful, but we're trying our best, and then something happens. Something happens to her where she realizes this isn't going to work and she makes the choice to hire Laura Dern. And I think that is either the end of Act 1 or the second to last song in Act 1. I think she's got to hire Laura Dern. I think that that's the inciting incident of the movie. Like, she's got to do that early. It is the inciting incident of the movie. I don't think it can be the inciting incident of our musical. Okay, sure. So so maybe we introduce Laura Dern early, but maybe we do make Maybe she courts her and Skojo doesn't decide to hire her because she's... Yeah, exactly. Laura Dern Mm -hmm. comes to her, makes a pitch. Skojo ultimately decides not to go with her because she wants to keep things amicable. But the point is, something happens mid to late in Act 1 that triggers her discovery that this cannot be amicable and I must hire Laura Dern. Yes. Does Act 1 end with the serving of the papers? Sure. If, if, okay. if that feels good to you, that feels good or to me. Or maybe Act 2 starts with the serving of the papers. Somewhere around there is the yes, yes, yes. Let's just dive in. Let's just see what happens. I think that's good. The very first thing then we're going to see is Randy Newman, right? Yeah, <laughs> always. <laughs> so the lights rise on Randy Newman. He's sitting at a piano with his notes sprawled everywhere. And he's like... I think it's literally like... I think he literally is like, let me tell you a story. It's a marriage story. A story like, about <laughs> New York and L.A. A boy yeah. being da 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 yeah. every day. Yeah, he was a <laughs> MacArthur genius. She was going to L.A. And that's what happened in this story. It's a marriage story. (laughs) We better hope people enjoy our horrible Randy Newman impersonations. (laughs) I think people love Randy Newman. I know I do. I'm a big, I'm a a Standy Newman. Great. Is that a whole opening number? Or does he just sort of have a like 45 second prelude number called I'm going to tell you a marriage story. I think it is like more prelude-y than like big opening number because then I feel like then we what we want is like we want to see basically we want to introduce the both of them. It seems inevitable and arguable that we just do some riff on the what I love about Charlie what I love about uh, Nicole right? Yeah. What what is that number? Well here's I'm going to show my hand a little bit at the end here because I think what we got to do with the little boy at the end when he reads 
the and the, and to be to be clear, the little boy is played by a little boy. We we realize yes, maybe like he's got like Randy's glasses and like his hair, but like we don't really put it together. You know what I mean? Like, <gasps> oh, ideas are brewing. You say what you're gonna say, and I'm okay. gonna hold. What my I was idea. gonna say is the beginning of the movie is they both say these things about each other, these really nice things about each other, but. In the context of the movie, they never hear each other say those things to each other. Until the end of the movie, when Adam Driver stumbles in on little baby Randy Newman, and little baby Randy Newman can suddenly read, and he reads the What I Love About Adam Driver paper. And I feel like what we have to do in that is, like, it has to start out really sweet, and it's like this little boy, like, like... I love the way that you play board games with your son. And then it's like, I love the way you go down on me and spank me. <laughs> like, like I feel like it has to just get really filthy. <laughs> um, okay, that's one version. <laughs> <laughs> Sam doesn't love it. So we've got the version where it gets filthy. So if that was the payoff of it, do we want that to be set up at the beginning? I don't think so. Okay. I also don't know if that's what we really want to pay off our entire two-and-a-half-hour musical to be. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But what about this? Uh, well, first off, I do want to say one thing about this before we get into the idea. Um, she literally says one of the things she loves about Adam Driver is that he never looks in a mirror, and that's a vampire thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like, is that her, like, is. trying to signal... Is that, like, her hostage signal that she's divorcing a vampire? <laughs> are we trying to... Are we... Here's here's a question. Are we going to address head-on the fact that you and I get really creepy vibes from Adam Driver in this movie, or... <laughs> Maybe or at some no? point. Wait, here's what I actually think the opening number should be. Yeah. So I feel like the opening number should be them with this long list of things they love about the other person, but we are seeing it through the eyes of people who aren't in the relationship, and so it's just really stupid or embarrassing or awkward at times. Like, everything they come up with is yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I vibe with it. So she says, he never looks at himself in a mirror, and then he would walk on and have, like, ketchup stains all over himself and, like, right. his yeah, shirt yeah, yeah, on yeah, inside yeah. out. Um, what are some of the other yeah, things that yeah, they yeah. say about each other? Uh, he's very competitive. Maybe, like, he, like, <laughs> punches the kid through a wall or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's meat cutie little details that are actually really annoying to everyone else. Right, yeah, yeah. And them just being like, oh, we love each other. And maybe it's <laughs> like, maybe, yes, we use this motif of, like, what we love about each other, but maybe the song is really called, like, In Our Own Little World, or, like, In Our Own World, or, sure. you know. Like, we're not yeah. really focused on on everything else. Then they go to the couples counselor, and this is the, if we're thinking of this story as the people who want to find a way to separate their lives as painlessly as possible, that's their their wants. And we get a I want moment in the counseling thing, right? Yes. My sort of, my, my basic idea, and it's kind of like, I guess in the vein of maybe like, um, the, the humor is sort of in the vein of like big ass rock from Full Monty is like, Mm-hmm. They they are articulating that they want this to be painless. They know it can't be painless, but as painless as possible. So they don't want it to feel like they don't want it to feel like a car driving back and forth over their faces, but they would be okay with it feeling like their fingers getting stuck in a car door while it slams shut. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, I want you to hurt, but just a little. I want you to hurt, but just a little. Yeah, that's nice. And there's yeah, them yeah, talking yeah. to the counselor and he's like, So what do you want her to feel? And he's like, I don't want her to feel yes. like She's got poison ivy shoved up her asshole, but God, that's a horrible thing that came to my mind. Uh, he's like, I don't. I want do her want to, to feel like she's got a, a a few inconveniencing um mosquito bites. I don't want her to feel like I've shoved TNT down her throat and detonated it. I, but I do want it to feel like maybe she got a little, a little. Electrocuted or something, and likewise with her, right? You know what it should feel like for the audience, or what? It, what it should, uh, the kind of laugh it should bring up is when you play a really good game of Would You Rather. Yes, you know it's like Would You Rather uh, swallow five thousand fire ants? It's like we got to think of like the worst ways to torture them, and then say they don't want that; they just want it to be a little painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. 
And then it feels like the next elements we need to introduce, and you tell me which order you think we should. We need to introduce the theater company, and we need to introduce the son. We haven't had the little kid yet. I, I also think the information that's really important is that she's moving to L.A. So I think we've got to have a number that is the theater group, and it's got to be like, what's going to happen to the cover of Time Out magazine? Or like, you know, something like that. I wrote down the phrase, it's called off-Broadway, bitch. Who says that? No one says it, but I just, I said it. Oh, okay. It's like them and all their black turtlenecks making like Electra and like they're at the top of the world. And I think what should happen is they should, at the end of it, he should get a call that says we're going to Broadway and she should get a call saying you've been cast in this pilot that sort of uh, crystallizes the move to LA as the first thing that makes their plan not work. Great. Amazing. And then I think we could get a, a, I'm just looking forward because we should definitely talk about this off-Broadway bitch number. Um, but, <laughs> but then I think we can get the move to L.A. from the perspective of the little boy. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, but let's talk about it's off-Broadway bitch because I love this idea that it's like we're going to get back to normal. We're going to work together amicably. It's off-Broadway bitch. And we got what are they doing let's not do this electric let's come up with our own theater piece that they're oh, doing oh so they're doing like an evo van hove experimental deconstruction of uh <laughs> good night moon or something good night moon <laughs> i was thinking more in the vein of like um meet the fockers <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, it's like her, uh, like they're all in their like unitards on each other's shoulders. Um, and, and, um, there's, there's video footage and stuff of, of like, and, and, and like she's on the back of the screen being like, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? And then she's like into a <laughs> mic being like, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? And every now and then an audience member whispers, what is this? And they sing back, it's off Broadway, bitch. It's. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a very, like, Fosse-ish type number, I feel like. Oh, right? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very Fosse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's off-Broadway, off bitch. And then, at the end of it... What happens? They get the call, and their life rips apart, and it's like, she's going to L.A., he's staying there, and the kid's coming with her for now. Um, I think we got it. We got to bring Randy back in now, and he's like, so... Uh, you know, Scar Joe's moving to L.A. to pursue a career in television. Uh, Adam Driver's going to Broadway. What are they going to do? It's a marriage story. You know, maybe he has little reprises throughout of this little marriage story motif. She's going to LAX. He's at Whitley Gwear. He's rehearsing for this thing. She's doing screen tests. It's a marriage story. <laughs> yeah, so okay. stupid. And then we get the kid. Um, I think there's two very legitimate possibilities here. Yeah. One, I don't know what it is. He just says the phrase, I hate fairy camp at one point in time. And I want to know, I want to I explore, I hate fairy camp. Like, is he I don't remember, when did you say that line? When she first gets to L.A., like, the first morning where her mom comes in, guns ablaze, and is like, wake up, wake up, wake up, you gotta do stuff. And he's like, I don't want to do stuff, I just want to be with mommy. And she's like, you're going to fairy camp. And he goes, I hate fairy camp. But he also says, I like sitting. (laughs) Could the song be, I hate fairy camp, but I love sitting? Yes, and it's all about how he's really torn. Yeah. We basically, we cut to this number, several weeks have passed, she's been in L.A., but she asks her son, do you like L.A.? And his response is, well, I hate fairy camp, but I love sitting. Yeah. And I love sitting is a reference to it's like the, the, the scene where uh, Adam Driver is driving him around while looking for lawyers. And the boy says, uh, I like sitting. You can sit a lot in L.A. Yeah, it's a sweet little number. I hate fairy camp, but I love sitting where he weighs all the things he likes about L.A. and doesn't like about L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can we go back for a moment? Because I don't think this has a place, but can we just put this number in for the sake of it getting cut after first preview? Yeah, yeah. Of all the inexplicable moments in this movie <laughs> is the moment where they walk in after the opening night party or the closing night party and their nanny is there and she says, I didn't know you guys were going to be home so soon. And she buttons up her pants. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was she doing? Was she masturbating? 
Well, she then says, like, you two are so attractive. <laughs> so I think we should write a number called The Ballad of the Horny Nanny. But we can cut it. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Why must I be cursed with the hottest uh, nanny nanny parents? And it's just her, like, and it's, like, very, uh, it's a very vampy, like, big spendery number. And she's just, like, rubbing herself on their nice brownstone apartment. <laughs> she's just, like, pole dancing on their, like, exposed brick yeah. wall and, like, humping their... Yeah, and I'm thinking about how hard it is to be a, a horny nanny. <laughs> <laughs> so that would go in between its Broadway bitch, or its off-Broadway bitch, and... I hate fairy camp, but I love sitting. Okay, so then we sort of get into the territory of, like... She probably needs to meet Laura Dern really quickly, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she goes to, like, her first day on set, and someone's like, you're getting the divorce, yeah. you don't have a lawyer, you should go see Laura Dern. I mean, I guess the other alternative is Laura Dern could be yeah. at the set because she's also representing someone else there and they could just bump into each other. Oh, that's a good idea. But we have to talk about, we have, it has to be like a fierce song. Like, like she would basically come up from the ground. And maybe there's the, like the implication that like Laura Dern is a mystical devil figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, or yeah, I mean, like, look, I, again, I, I sympathize so much more of Scarlett Johansson in this movie than I do Adam Driver. But at the same time, I do feel like the choice to hire Laura Dern is the sort of like wrong choice of the movie. So there is exactly. like, yes. it, it, you know, I think Laura Dern wants something like almost like an Ursula from Little Mermaid energy. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm tempting For you. Sure. You could have this all sell, sell your soul to me, baby. So she is the devil. Yeah. I think she has to be the devil. You know what I really like about this? What? If we present her as the devil here, we can make that monologue she has in act two way more fun where she's like, yeah, I'm the devil, but it's only because God is a deadbeat dad. And like, we can like, <laughs> we can empathize with her. We can, yeah, she can be I mean, like, like, you've, you society, the patriarchy have put me into the role of the devil, which that's yeah, kind of yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you banish me from heaven. What do you want the number to be called? What do you want the number to be called? And what's the style of it? I kind of feel like it's like a really hot like salsa number, like a lep You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fine with me. Uh, the devil wore a pantsuit. The devil want. It should just be about. I don't know what it's called, but it's about like I want you to sign your name here. Yeah, divorce with divorce with me, BB, or something like. Divorce with the devil. I, I mean, the action of it, right, is like her taking her like all over LA and being like. Look at what I can give you, like... Yeah, and it's gotta be Scarlett Johansson being like, no, 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 this is not what we want. Yeah. And Laura Dern, the devil, is like, <laughs> I don't know. She's like, Ghost of Christmas futuring around and being like, Adam Driver <laughs> will get the kid. She's showing her her worst fears. Adam Driver will get the kid. The kid will love him and his girlfriend more. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I think it's like a 15-minute number. It's like, it's endless. <laughs> like... <laughs> I think, like, there's respirators, like, there's oxygen tanks in the, at the bar, ready for people to suck down some air, because they're just, like, <laughs> breathless at how insane this Laura Dern song is. And I think she's, like, she's, like, doing, like, cooter slams and, like, flipping, she's doing, like, s aerial acrobatics, like. <laughs> it's like, ice skates? Yes. yes. Lion taming? Yes. She twirls fire for sure. She swallows fire. She doesn't just twirl yeah. it, she eats it. And then, but the song ends, the song ends with Scarlett Johansson being like, be gone. Yes. Your, you, your temptations are too strong. I, I banish you. She throws holy water on yes. the Laura Dern figure who melts back or who then explodes in a puff of smoke and is gone. Yeah, yeah. As the smoke dissipates, a charred business card floats down <laughs> from where she was, like the last autumnal leave. And Scarlett Johansson, despite her better instincts, pockets Grabs it for it. later. For later. Just in case. And now is we need a segment, like the second half of the act has to be like Adam Driver doing something that convinces her that Laura Dern, though she be the devil, yeah. is, also, is also totally right. Yeah. Well, it feels like what needs to happen is they need to truly realize that there's a disconnect about where they want their son to live. Well, do we want to use the Halloween stuff? That might be a good thing to use. Yeah, I was thinking I was thinking maybe the Halloween stuff like 
the saddest Halloween. Maybe they sort of realize that they are two different people and there is this song that's like, you'll always be Bowie and I'll, I'll always be the Invisible Man or something. I don't know. Like, Yeah. Like, so the whole tone of the song is yeah. we have this really painful decision to make. Where is he going to go? But we both want the same things. We may fight, we made this, but I'll always be the invisible man and you'll always be David Bowie and we'll always do what's best for our son. Yeah. And they, the next morning they realize they both thought the other one was admitting. Oh, okay. The son can stay, the son can come to New York or the son can stay in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's great because, because I think, I think it, it shows that he is, um, at the end of the day has this sort of selfishness about him and that then triggers her to be like, no, I would, I should fight this because he's never thought about what I actually want. He always thinks that his, he's right, right? Right. And so she calls Laura Dern. Wait, wait, wait. So she wait, calls. Let's, La- let's not. Go, let's talk about this section though for a second, because I think we got to do the Halloween song too. We got to do a Halloween thing. We should do something with Randy Newman for Halloween. He sings it's the saddest Halloween in L.A. <laughs> All or the kids can... are inside. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, and who gave this kid a lighter? <laughs> His dad wanted him to be Frankenstein. The saddest night in L.A. Halloween. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, okay, now that we've just, now that we've just spewed nonsense in a Randy Newman voice for 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so she rejects the devil. She says, I'm going to prove... <laughs> That, ha- that this can work out. I'm going to have a Halloween of my ex-husband and Randy Newman sings a ballad called The Saddest Halloween in L.A. where we yeah. awkwardly see the three of them just having a horrible, horrible night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it ends with the kid asleep and the two of them being like, this is harder than it looks. Maybe we need to figure out what's best for him. Yes. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think it does. I don't think I'm explaining it very no, well. No, I think that makes total sense. Cut to the next morning where they realize it was a lie. The dad is there with suitcases to take his son away. And is that when we get Laura Dern to come back, right? Yeah. Laura Dern steps forward from the bowels of hell. And in the first scene, she was wearing the most fabulous costume you could ever imagine. In the second scene, it somehow is even better. Yeah. I think they just reprise divorce with the devil. And she signs the contract and, like, fire spews everywhere and, like, it's it's the end of the act, right? That's the end of the act, but we probably do get a little bit of, like, a Randy outro, right? She signed the freaking contract and she's made a deal with the devil. It's a marriage story. Blackout. But I think he should have a little bit of, like, but sometimes things ain't what they seem. Tink, tink, tink. <laughs> you're gonna fight. You're gonna follow up. <laughs> The bowels of hell opening up with Laura Dern in, like, a red-ass pantsuit, ScarJo signing a contract with the devil, and you are going to follow that up with Randy Newman plinking on a piano? Okay, never mind. Is that what you just said? Dude. No, but it was, like, quick. It was just, like, he comes out, and it's, like, at the end. And- yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying, is it, it cuts to Randy Newman, and he's just like, see you in Act 2. Great. Okay, cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> we are going to... Listen, if you were listening to this podcast and you're like, man, they are equating this woman with the devil. God damn them. Listen, we're going to have your back. Don't worry. Yeah. We're going to have your back. Laura Dern's yeah. going to get her moment. We're not calling women the devil. We're on Skojo's side here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise. Two, we're going to actually do the plot of Marriage Story. <laughs> yeah, I think the first number needs to be the serve, right? Or him being mm-hmm, served. Probably. Which is actually probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yes, um, it is. Her mom and her sister I... are there to welcome Adam Driver to L.A. They have this plan to have the sister played by Merritt Weaver. Is that right? Yeah, Merritt Weaver. Give him the manila envelope. 
but she is really nervous because she is the least successful of the three actresses in the house. Yeah. And she's very nervous about this performance and they literally try to like act it out, but then he gets there and then there's a pie and a rotisserie chicken and everything is going to hell. It's very like three-door farce. It's very like... Yeah, it wa- we want to have a three-door farce number, right? Well, yeah, it's the hash up scene, Hello Dolly. It's, it's, I guess a song, a good song might be that, uh, the I've Decided to Marry You song from, um, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. And what do we think it's called? Uh, yeah, I think it's You Got Served. And it's this farcy antics number that ends with him getting served and realizing he needs to fight back, right? Um, yeah, he's got to lawyer yeah. up. Do you think we, I think we skip him hiring Alan Alda, or do we not? Yeah, I, that was in my notes, that it, we don't need to do this back and forth with the lawyers. Adam Driver needs to lawyer up with these horrible lawyers, and I was thinking there should be, like, a very bro-y number called the law firm of fuck you, fuck you, and douche. <laughs> and it's just, like, Ray Liotta. Because I think, like, we're, if we're portraying her as the devil, we need to be, like, what's worse than the devil? And it's, like, the devil, but if he was a bro, which is, right. like, the most stressful thing I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is slowly becoming a musical about how lawyers are evil. <laughs> I mean, that's what the movie's about. Like, that's what the movie's about. Literally, the dramaturgical function of Alan Alda in that film is some lawyers, yes. if they're bad at their job, can be good people. <laughs> oh, so here's maybe what it is. Here, okay, so here's an idea. Maybe yeah, yeah. that the You Got Served sequence ends with him being like, I need to lawyer up. And Alan Alda's character walks on and sings this like very cute like 40-second lullaby about how you can be a nice lawyer if you're bad at being a lawyer. And then like a monster truck filled with bros like crashes <laughs> through and like beat him up. And they're like, we're the law firm of fuck you, fuck you, and douche. Yo, we're the law firm of fuck you, fuck you, and douche. Hey! It's like crazy. <laughs> and it's so loud. And it's like when they cut to Martin Scorsese at the Oscars when like Eminem was performing, like all the people in the audience will just be like cringing at the, it's going to be like chaos. I think the Alan Alda interlude, by the way, is just like, it's like a misdirect where we think this is going to be a really sweet little number about not all lawyers are bad. It's like a little waltz. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, you don't have to get, it's basically just like, you don't have to get like the, the mean nasty lawyer. Like, but then the monster truck smashes him and they're like, he's an idiot. Yes. Welcome to the law firm of Fuck You, Fuck You, and Dude. <laughs> um, and then... So at some point soon, we need to introduce the idea that the boy can't read. <laughs> well, that's just throughout. <laughs> that's important throughout. The little boy can't read. We get reminded of it at least every five minutes. Um, so I feel like the next thing that happens is like, like an I can do anything better than you number between the law firm of fuck you, fuck you and douche and Laura Dern that's in the courtroom. Yeah, totally. And that, and then that leads into them being like, this isn't working that well. And that leads into like the fight scene, like in the movie. And I think this is good in the movie. It's the idea that they have this really crazy showdown in the courtroom between the two lawyers. That's really ugly and really messy. And, the effect of that is both that an evaluator is going to come over and watch the both of them and ScarJo and Adam Dri- ScarJo goes over to Adam Drivers and is like, you know what? This is kind of crazy. Maybe we don't need to do any of this. And they try and talk it out, but it escalates into chaos. Okay, that's fair. Like, that's what happens in the movie. Okay, so we get this anything you can do, I can do better number where... But I also, like, really feel like because of the law firm of, of like, fuck you, fuck you and douche, like... I don't know why, like, their noise for me is just, like, 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 it does feel like it's gotta be, like, maybe less anything you can do, I can do better, and, like, I'm sorry to invoke Hamilton so much, but, like, more like those, like, cabinet battles in Hamilton. But don't you think there's a funny (laughs) contrast to if we've done this crazy hot tango number and this law firm of fuck you, fuck you, and douche, like, metal rap number to then have them doing, like, a twee musical theater? But I feel like it's gotta be really fucking aggressive. Yeah, but we, but I'm just saying we just did a really aggressive number, so maybe we just need something else in between before this. Maybe there's a song. Maybe there's the song with the little boy saying saying about how he can't read. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's think of a song for him about how he can't read. Maybe it, they go to the courtroom and the very first person they bring to the stand is the little boy, and they're like, "We want to see the effect this is having on you." And he's like, "I can't read." <laughs> and it's just like a cry for help. <laughs> he's just like, "I can't read." 
Maybe, maybe, and this is just a nod to what will happen at the end, but maybe there's a little duet thing where the little boy comes on stage and he's seeing how much his parents are hurting and Randy Newman calls out to him and says, hey, little boy, it's all going to work out. And the little boy's like, I can't see how it will. My parents hate each other and I can't read. And he's like, one day you'll be able to read. How do you know? And he's like, oh. <laughs> and he's like, he, he doesn't tell him then. He's just like, trust me, everyone learns to read. And they have a song together that we will later learn as future self singing to past self. But it's a sweet duet between Randy Newman and a child called Everyone Learns to Read. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, why not? <laughs> sure, onward. And then we go into this aggro rap fest between where they're spitting at each other about about the intimate details of ScarJo and Adam Driver's relationship. Right. Um, do you have a name for that one? Called Any Law You Can Law, I Can Law Better. Great. And the result of this is ScarJo goes to Adam Driver. It's the really meme scene where they're just screaming at each other and he inexplicably smashes <laughs> his hand into a wall. Um, and she jumps up and down and he wishes her death upon her. It's really crazy. It's, it's an insane, insane five minutes of brain-melting cinema. Yeah. So we basically want this fight to happen Pretty similar to how it happens in the movie, but we want it to be funny and weird and crazy, right? And I was like... I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, there is a little bit of me that's like, you can't really make this any better. Like, like I really kind of feel like they just have to, like, fucking sing what they s- shout at each other. But what, do, what were your ideas? <laughs> I don't know. There's something to me that's like, it wants to be like a chitty chitty bang bang style number called shouty shouty <laughs> smash smash. <laughs> I love that. I shout and you shout and smouty, shouty, shouty, smash, smash, shouty, shouty, smash, smash. I hate you. Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously, it wouldn't be the actual tune of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Something in that vibe called Shouty, Shouty, Smash, Smash. But there are some really choice. Like, let's just, like, what are some lines from that scene? Um, you shouldn't be mad I slept with her. You should be mad I had a laugh with her. I can't believe I have to know you forever. Yeah, so there would be this really funny, the number would be like the two of them in sync singing the shouty, shouty, smash, smash chorus. And then like they'd be like saying these lines at each other, like screaming them to like a cute little piano ditty. And then back to shouty, shouty, smash, yeah. smash. Yeah, I think that's good. She goes, you're such a dick. And he goes, every day I wake up and I hope you're dead. Dead, like, if I could guarantee Henry would be okay, I hope you get an illness and then get hit by a car and die. And then he weeps and he falls to his knees. That's the song. So, just really quickly, I think what we still need is we need the final Laura Dern number. Yes. We, we need the being alive moment and we need a finale, right? Like, those are the numbers. So maybe left. we don't even need the evaluator scene. Do you think So maybe do? let's just skip the evaluator. They have the horrible fight. Yeah, they have the horrible fight. They're like, we have to do it this way. Randy Newman comes in and he sings about, we're getting to the end of the marriage story. She, he had to move yes. to L.A. because she got custody, but she didn't take any of his money. They worked things out this way. I, I know in the movie it's 45-55. I think we should end it be like 50-50 or something. Maybe Randy Newman has a song called 50-50. And it's about how even winning feels like losing, which is such a Randy Newman sentiment. Why do you think it should be 50-50? I feel like that's kind of important. I, I, I want justice for Laura Dern's character. I think, it, I think that's the one that tips her from being an unlikable person who has to be unlikable to get an important job done to just being vindictive in the movie. When she does that against Scarlett Johansson's wishes. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure, 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 sure. I think that's a moment that tips her into caricature evil in the movie. That when is, we, and we, in making her the devil, certainly don't want to fall into <laughs> caricature. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something we want to do. Okay, so great. So ScarJo, let's get back into this. Wait, but wait, let's be really clear. That is the Randy Newman song. It's called 50-50, and it's a very Randy Newman song about how sometimes when you win, you lose. Like, and no one feels good. Sometimes you bring an umbrella. When it doesn't rain, it's 50-50. Yeah, it's a marriage story. (laughs) Yes, and at the end of that, Scarlett Johansson is in the offices of Laura Dern, the devil. (laughs) Which is like hell, like like in hell. And it's very important that it's hell because she's going to be like, you know, I feel really gross about this. This is exactly what we didn't want. And Laura Dern is going to sing this like, 
sit down, you're rocking the boat, bring you to Jesus style number of like, oh, okay. of like I ha- I'm the devil because God is a deadbeat dad. And it's this like redemption song where she sheds her red suit and gets like a white suit with wings. <laughs> and she sings this song that's just like, we have to fight. We have to fight because otherwise we would lose. Because God is a deadbeat dad. And at the end, she literally flies away with angel yeah, wings. Yeah, God is a deadbeat dad. It's a big gospel number. And if the number in the first act was 15 minutes, this is at least 45. This is like <laughs> this is like an odyssey of musical theater. There are like tambourines. It's like a whole fucking thing. But like what really is like what, what I am like is the thing is important about this song is it, it leaves us all with the feeling, which is I think what we don't get in the movie of this nastiness was ultimately kind of necessary to where they end up. Yeah. And it protected Scarlett Johansson when she didn't know how to protect herself. That's great. And now we go to Adam Driver, who is a shell of a man. He's forced to live in Los Angeles. The worst punishment anyone could have. Great. So he goes to a random piano bar in LA where, um, I mean, like, listen, this is my problem with this, with, with this thing in the movie is like, Yes, it is this 11 o'clock moment where he sings Being Alive, but it, the the context of that character singing Being Alive in company has absolutely nothing to do with where Adam Driver is in this current moment in the movie. It makes no sense. But what do you want this moment to be? I mean, like, my thought was, like, it's a big 11 o'clock number called, like, sometimes 11 o'clock numbers don't have to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that. I mean, I love it, but tell me. Well, I think it's like, I think he's like, I think he's like, I'm pretty disappointed about how things went, but I'm going to sing about how, like, I'm happy and alive or like something like. Sometimes you can take a Sondheim song and try to fit it in a square hole. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) And it's, yeah, I love that. I love that it's sometimes 11 o'clock numbers don't need to make sense. Which is great because I was gonna say that I don't I don't necessarily think the sequencing of our musical we've created makes sense for this number to be the eleven o'clock number, but you fixed that by him singing sometimes eleven o'clock numbers don't need to make sense. Well that's the thing, is like it is the moment. For better or worse, it is the eleven o'clock moment, and we should acknowledge that. We should also acknowledge that it makes no fucking sense. And maybe just because we're already talking about how it doesn't make sense, then maybe she comes on too and is singing it there with him and she's like, It doesn't make sense that I'm here singing this with. Yeah, but sometimes eleven o'clock numbers don't need to make sense. Yeah, I think that's great. And And their 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 thesis at the end is just: we are now. Time has passed. We can start to heal. How doesn't matter. Sometimes eleven o'clock numbers don't need to make sense. Yeah, I think that's great. And then I think it's just like, well, then what? What? What's your? So then we have the the thing with the little boy reading the the paper. So okay, here's my idea, and you gave me this idea of the Randy Newman stuff. Okay. Finally, they go home. They've just sung this 11 o'clock number. Maybe, maybe it's just her. She goes home. The boy is still, he still can't read. It's weird. He can't read. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, oh, I know. Maybe you need glasses. And she takes out a <laughs> pair of glasses and she puts them on him. He's instantly recognizable as a young Randy Newman. <laughs> It's, like, instant. It's, like, he's had the hair and literally has been wearing, like, the same thing as Randy Newman the whole time. But it's, like, we didn't realize it until this one fucking moment. <laughs> she puts the glasses on him. And he's he's a young Randy Newman. And they sing... The castings. It's a marriage it's story. It's a marriage story. And... Or does he, need, does, does he need to read the note again? Yeah, but that's part... That leads into the... I think, like... I think it's, like, um... Once on this island where it's like, there was an island where rivers ran. Like, you know, I think he's like, or, or in, or in, uh, into the woods where, where, where they're like, once upon a time, like they go back to the beginning and she's like, sometimes people leave you, you know, like the yes. boys like reading the thing. Yeah. And, but like at the same time, Randy's like, it's a marriage story. That's amazing. Yay. <laughs> I think it's good. I, I think it's wild. I, I had no idea we were going to come up with. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with the Randy Newman concept. I'm thrilled with the Laura Dern stuff. It's so crazy. Yeah. 
And yet it is somehow still less crazy than the actual movie. Do you have any casting? Um, yeah, casting. I mean, to be honest, I know we could I know we could pull this, I know we could pull this with any movie, so it's a slippery slope, but I genuinely think the first thing you would want to do is try to get Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is super niche, okay. but uh, she's, which we're big fans of her. She's super fierce. She was in the Moulin Rouge movie as the Roxanne tango dancer, and she was also in the Anastasia musical and Christmas Story, the musical, and her name is... Caroline O'Connor? <laughs> yes, Caroline O'Connor. As Laura Dern is what you're saying. This is her time. Like, there's no fucking way playing the devil with two, with a, fi- with a 15-minute number, or... And a 45-minute long number, you're not going to win a Tony. Come on. The child is a breakout star. Or he's young Sheldon. He's a little Ian Armitage. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ian Armitage with a Randy Newman wig on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We have to do the recap. And we're going to... Kyle, Kyle, we're going to take turns and you're not going to get distracted. Oh, geez, Louise. All right. Yeah, yeah. So lights rise, and uh, Randy Newman is sitting at a piano, and he sings a song that goes, Let me tell you a story, a marriage story, which then transitions into Sam. The opening number, which is called In Our Own Little World, where we take the uh, device from the movie of the two main characters listing things they like about each other, but in our version... The things they like, which are very cute to them, are very annoying and inconvenient for the rest of the world. And we're sort of seeing that. Yes, that transitions into them uh, in, like, couples counseling. And they sing a song, which is both of their I Want songs, which is, like, it's called I Want You to Hurt, But Just a Little. And that ends with them deciding that they need to get back to their lives and their work. And they sing, it's off-Broadway, bitch. And that song ends, though... With them finding out simultaneously that the play is moving to Broadway, but that she has to move to L.A. to be in a pilot. Um, And then they go home. They go home. And what do they see there, Kyle? Arjo and Adam Driver come in. They see the horny nanny. The horny nanny's like, oh, sorry. She buttons up her pants. She leaves. And they, they decide, okay. ScarJo's got to go to L.A. We cut forward a few weeks, and she's trying to figure out what's best for him. And so she asks the kid, like, do you like LA? And he sings this song called I Hate Fairy Camp, But I Love Sitting. <laughs> it's all about how torn he is because there's great things in LA and there's great things in New York and there's great things about mom and there's great things about dad. Yeah. And she goes to the set of her movie. Uh, basically, the the floor opens up and uh, Laura Dern emerges. Basically, the, she's the devil. There's fire and flames everywhere. And it goes into this hot salsa number called Divorce with the Devil. It's this Faustian bargain song where, like, Laura Dern is doing splits and cooter slams and flipping around the proscenium and, like, twirling fire and swallowing fire. And the whole point of it is, like, you have to you have to let me handle your divorce. I'm the best lawyer you're going to get. And then ScarJo's like, be gone! She's like, leave! And Laura Dern disappears in a puff of smoke. But then, to prove that things can work, she's like, I'm going to go have Halloween with my ex-husband and my son, and it's not going to be weird. But it is weird. It's the saddest Halloween in L.A., and Randy Newman yeah. sings a song about how it's the saddest... Halloween in LA and at the end of the saddest Halloween in LA the kid falls asleep and she's dressed as David Bowie he's the invisible man and they agree that they have to decide is it going to be New York or LA and they agree that they're going to do what's best for their son because after all he'll always be the invisible man she'll always be David Bowie but they're not on the same page they both thought the other one was agreeing to give them what they want and so the next morning Oh, the next morning, uh, Adam Driver shows up and with suitcases, and he's like, great, I'm ready. I'm taking the the boy back to NYC. And ScarJo's, like, suddenly realizes all of what Laura Dern <laughs> said m- might come true is coming true. And and uh, ScarJo decides to summon Laura Dern back. The bowels of hell open up, fire everywhere again, pyrotechnics. And ScarJo signs the contract, and it's just like, a massive chorus, loud music, and Randy Newman's just like, it's a marriage story, so you in act two. <laughs> Curtain. So then act two happens, and we get this... <laughs> we get this sort of antics-y farce number, and the song is called You Got Served, but at the end of You Got Served, he realizes he needs to lawyer up. 
Yes, so Alan Alda basically appears and is like, you don't have to be a mean lawyer, you can be a sweet lawyer. But then, like, a monster truck bursts through a wall, runs him over, and it's like, roll with a law firm of fuck you, fuck you, and douche. The little boy crosses the stage, and Randy Newman reaches out to him and says, what's wrong, little boy? And the little boy says, I, my parents are mad, and I can't read. And they have a nice little duet, and the, and the song is called... Everyone learns to read. Yes, because then it goes into this another crazy, like, cabinet battle-esque song called Any Law You Can Law, I Can Law Better, which is in the courtroom. So then they agree to meet at Adam Driver's apartment. They're going to try to work it out, but it devolves really quickly into a fight scene. The fight scene that's very famous from the movie where they're just shouting crazy things at each other. And it's a chitty chitty bang bang style duet called shouty shouty smash smash yeah it ends horribly and it ends with him basically being like you know what we tried to work this out together just talking but like obviously that didn't work like we need to just follow this lawyer thing through to its logical ending which randy newman comes in he narrates you know the end of it he's like 50 50 it's called 50 50 sometimes when you win you lose which takes which takes Scarlett Johansson, she's feeling bad. She goes to sign the final papers to Laura Dern's office, and she sort of articulates that she doesn't feel good. In hell. Yes, Laura Dern's office in hell, and she articulates that she doesn't feel good. She's felt, she feels literally like she's done a deal with the devil. And Laura Dern sings a song called God is a Deadbeat Dad, and that takes us to a piano bar for some reason. <laughs> and Adam Driver sings this song called Sometimes 11 O'Clock Numbers Don't Have to Make Sense. And then the final scene is she goes home to take care of the little boy, He still can't read. She realizes maybe he just needs glasses. She puts the glasses on him. Instantly, we, the audience, we recognize him as a young Randy Newman. Randy Newman isn't just telling any story. He's telling his story. And he sing, and they sing, they all sing, it's a marriage story. (laughs) And Randy's there with little Randy, and it's beautiful. Everything kind of worked out, maybe. Audience leaps to its feet, knocking over... Their drinks, their purses, each other, they're in such a rush to applaud. Yeah. They've never seen anything like it. It was this strange (laughs) mixture of uh, sort of domestic drama and Faustian (laughs) hellscape. (laughs) That's great. Um, Thanks for going on that journey with me. It was a great... It was a great distraction from my Faustian hellscape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all in our own Faustian hellscape now. We're back. Kyle, welcome back. Thank you. You're welcome. So polite. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, some time has passed. We, everyone went away. You wrote a song, and a lot of talented people took that song and made it into what we're about to listen to. Do you want to set the scene for it, please? Okay, so uh, Scarlett Johansson is walking around the back lot of L.A. when the ground opens up before her, and Laura Dern emerges from the bowels of hell. She's the devil, and she pitches this... Uh, a, a pitch to uh, Nicole slash uh, Scarlett Johansson about why she should hire the devil, her, as her lawyer for the divorce proceedings. So without further ado, produced by Andy Einhorn and arranged and orchestrated by Bill Elliott, here's Leslie Margarita singing Divorce with the Devil from Marriage Story, the musical. Sorry I look so schleppy. I had an event at my kid's school. Who are you? I'm Nora. Now take a deep breath and let me tell you about myself. Divorces have a way of getting messy. Don't stress. See, I can get you what is yours. I'm in your employ to help you and your boy. This lawyer ain't got claws. No, she's got horns. Ah! He's a narcissistic fool walking right all over you. I can deal a legal split and hold it fierce while doing it. We'll take him to hell, my sweet, to the third level. To 
said we weren't gonna use lawyers. Get on and listen. Once you got me on your team, I can fix your wildest dreams. I can outswim any fish and make the vegan pie delish. Watch me crush Dwayne Johnson whenever we wrestle. Well, building here middle. Divorce with the devil. Split to be amicable. If you rearrange the letters in the word amicable, it spells Nora makes you rich. I don't think it does. Jungle chainsaw swallow fire. Tile wins a knot. Eat a bowl of tapioca. Looking really hot. The trumpet. Celine and Limba, I even play marimba. doing this, it's totally not like a sound effect. I'm just gonna have a little bit more tapioca. I fucking love tapioca! Who can heal you with a touch? Seduce a man by speaking Dutch. Who can walk on any water like Jesus? Only ten times hotter. Charlie Boy will so much for listening. If you enjoyed, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Insert Movie Here. Insert Movie Here is hosted by myself, Sam French. And me, Kyle Wilson. We have a thousand thank yous. To all the incredible musicians on this week's song, Divorce with the Devil is produced by Andy Einhorn, arranged and orchestrated by Bill Elliott, mixed by David Dabin, and mastered by Dan Santiago. Featuring Leslie Margarita as Nora and Molly Griggs as Nicole. The tap dance soloist is Richard Riaz Yoder. Amy Griffiths and Jay Mason on sax. Jamie Dauber and Alex Bender on trumpet. Charlie Marillis on trombone. Greg Anthony Rasson on piano. Bill Elliott on bass and Adam Wolf on drums and percussion. The song was transcribed by Nevada Lozano, and the music copyist was Jacob Fjeldheim. Our theme song is produced by Andy Einhorn, arranged and orchestrated by Nevada Lozano, mixed by Daniel Kluger, mastered by Jessica Thompson, and music edited by David Dabin. Will Blum on lead vocals, Lindsay Roberts, Zanny Laird, Jackson Perrin, and Adrian Rosas singing backup, Trevor Newman on trumpet, Rebecca Patterson on trombone, Chad Smith on sax, and Evan Hyde on drums. Our logo is designed by Thomas Constantine Moore, incidental music arranged by Jeremy Robin Lyle. Our music supervisor is Andy Einhorn, and our executive producer is John Albert Harris. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.